If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Genesis 12, 1 through 10. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. This is the order that God gave Abram. And it's what he says. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. That's an opportunity for him. Listen to what verse 3 says. And I will bless thee, that bless, bless those that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's us even, y'all. All the, the, the people that are blessed today is a direct influence of what Abram had by following the Lord. So verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. That was the obedience part of his life. Verse 5 says, And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the oak of Mamre. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, <clears throat> Unto thy seed will I give this land. And they builded an altar unto the Lord, and appeared, who appeared unto them. That was the offering that Abram was giving back to God by building an altar. And he removed from there unto the mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built another altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, and Abram journeyed, going on still toward the Negev. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. You may be seated. Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word today. Whatever is accomplished out of this today, all the glory and the praise is to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We as children of God are not at home in this land. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. According to the scripture, Abram left Ur and traveled some 600 miles north of, of Haran. Uh, for some reason, he stopped and lived in the land until his daddy, Terah, uh, passed away. Then God gave him a second time and a second command. <clears throat> so he gathered all of his family. He gathered his shepherds. He gathered his sheep. And he walked through a dusty land for 500 miles, headed south toward Canaan, because this is uh, what God said to do. I will give you instructions along the way. Because when God first called him, he called him to get up, get his stuff together, and he didn't even know where he was going. You know, I thought about that many times when I surrendered to preach. There's no way I could know. In fact, I don't even remember asking God 
Where all are you going to send me? And I've almost lost track of the places uh, that he has sent me since I surrendered to preach. But he's not through. There's still places to go. There's still people to see today. Uh, but as, as Abraham, uh, Abram traveled on, the first thing he found when he got there to this uh, promised land was a drought. He's following God and he gets there and finds there's a drought. No water. No water to be had. No water's in sight. And I think about the things that he faced. He faced a lot of dust. Dust of disappointment. Dust of disgrace. You and I face that. Disappointment. Disgrace. He also, there was the drought. You and I face droughts, droughts of deception, people deceiving us, people telling us they'll do something and, and then not follow through with it. And then there was, de- there was uh, delayed promises. He was waiting on God, which brought about despair, which brought about desperation. I mean, uh, it's, it's hard to understand and know what Abram faced. Hundreds of people every day looking for him. Not counting all the sheep and the herds and everything. He says all the substance, the stuff that they carried with them. I mean, was enough to drag a man down. And on top of all of that, this whole crowd, they're whining now. They're, they're griping now because, hey, you brought us down here and there's no water. What are we supposed to do? Their animals begin to die of thirst. Babies crying for milk that they couldn't get because the animals couldn't feed. And Abram probably thinking, well, God, you know, I'm trying to do what you want me to do. When I thought about all that, I thought about this, life's pressures. You probably don't realize, and I didn't until I heard it, how many hundreds, I said hundreds, of preachers across our land are committing suicide. You know why? Pressures. They can't take the pressures. Hundreds, on the other hand, are leaving the ministry. They said, if this is what it's about, I don't want anything to do with it. And so they go get a secular job. Just just go out there and work. And walk away from their calling. I dealt with a man several years ago who had left the ministry I says to him, I I called his name, I said, I didn't know you was a pastor. Because in the phone book, when I looked up his name, it had reverent. He sort of dropped his head. He said, yeah, I did. I walked away. I said, well, have you ever thought about just asking God to forgive you and come back if God called you? He didn't have an answer. It wasn't long till he committed suicide. I dealt with another one who had a, a run-in at a church and he left the church. I asked him, I said, what are you going to do about it? He said, I don't know what to do about it. I said, I want to ask you a question. Have you asked God to forgive you? He said, I sure have. I said, do you believe God's forgiven you? He said, I surely do. I said, well, I want to ask you a question. Have you, point blank, forgiven yourself? He hung his head down. 
He said, no, I haven't. He said, I can't. He said, I can't forgive myself because I can't get it off my mind. I said, you're going to have to put that aside. The devil don't want you to get it off your mind because it's hindering you from preaching the word of God. Well, a long story short, he's back pastoring. I don't know why God loves me like he does. I don't know why he puts up with what he puts up with in me. I was sitting there while Mark was leading the choir and him singing. I don't know who the lady was that took me out of vacation Bible school and set me down on a low pair set of concrete steps and told me how to be saved. I knew about Jesus. I was in vacation Bible school. She led me to the Lord, and I got saved. No, I didn't walk with the Lord always. I disappointed him many times. A lot of times I disappointed him because of life's pressures. But then came the pressure of, I want you to preach. I want you to preach. Folk, I'm going to tell you, I woke up with it. I went to bed with it. I want you to preach. I want you to preach. God, I don't want to. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Outwardly, I was, but inside, I was rottening because I was disobeying the Word of God. I was disobeying Him. Now, I don't need sympathy, okay? You listening? I don't need sympathy. I don't know why God's put me where he's put me. Listen, there are more educated and qualified preachers besides this one that could be a, a, a better pastor preacher of this outfit that God's put me here at this appointed time. And all I can say to you, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Pressure. I mean, it's constant pressure. And I think about Abraham. Hey, he was just a man. And you know something? When we get to heaven as Christians, we're going to see it, old boy. I want to see him. I want to sit down with him. I want to talk to him. Because he was a pastor in the wilderness. First Baptist of wilderness. (laughs) Hundreds of people he was responsible for. Doubt? I'm sure he had doubt. He had dust, he had droughts, and waiting on God to give him more information. When I think of life pressures, listen to me, I got four little simple things. First of all, there's a pressure of just a simple daily grind. Just a simple daily grind. Can you imagine the work was necessary? to move thousands of animals, let alone these people. And everything had to eat. You know, prior to my leaving this country to go to Africa for the first time, they told us, they said, we're not sure when we will eat or what we will eat. So prepare yourself. Probably six to eight weeks before we were supposed to depart, I started barely eating breakfast. Then I did without. Then I barely eat dinner. And then I do without. Supper, same way. Before I left, I was only eating one meal a day. I lost like 20 pounds. Hey, I felt good. 
I'm ready. I'm charged. They also told us, be careful because there's not going to always be a place to use the bathroom. I had to train my kidneys and my bowels. You'll have to wait. Hello? Every bit of that was true. Every bit of it. There were days, one meal, and we didn't know what it was going to be. Bathroom facilities, same way. What I'm saying is it's pressure. No matter where you go, what you do, there's pressures in life of just the simple daily grind. When I think of the daily grind, I think of family, okay? I remember when the boys was home, they was little. Hey, on Sunday night, you get stuff ready for Monday morning. You don't wait till 7 o'clock Monday morning to start snatching out clothes and, and jerking here and jerking there and uh, trying to comb through wet and matted up hair. You need to start on Sunday night. We lay the clothes out. Get everything ready. But it was pressure come Monday morning. I don't feel good. I don't want to go to school. Oh, man, don't, don't start that again. You felt great yesterday. Reminds me of the Little Rascals movie when Spanky on Friday night he began to get sick. He told his mama, he said, I'm sick. I am so sick. Well, he, she put him to bed. She went in there to wake him up on Saturday morning. He said, I'm sick. I'm so sick. She said, well, just lay in the bed. You don't have to go to school today, Saturday. Oh, it's Saturday. He started hopping all over the place. He got well instantly. It's the daily grind. There was a little girl, she was about 10 years old, went to spend the night with her aunt in Easley. She lived in Anderson. And come nightfall, she was going to spend the night. Come nightfall, she began to tell her aunt she didn't feel good. And the aunt said, well, wh wh are you hurting somewhere? She said, yeah. Where are you hurting? I said, my nose hurts. She wanted to go home. That's all it was to her. It was pressure. She was out of her ordinary setup. She was out of her normal environment. Now you listen, if you're lost in here this morning, you're out of your normal environment. Hello? You're not at work. You're at God's house to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And God the Father loves you. I don't know why, as Mark's saying, but I know he does. And you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God that Jesus sent when he went back home. He sent the Holy Spirit of God for you and me to invite him into our heart and become a child of God. And it don't make the pressure any less. Come on, families. Come on, daddies. You know, you've been there. Some of you are still there. It's amazing what, what pressures are on the family today. You got the daddy. If he's the main breadwinner, hey, he's got to think about his job. He's got, he needs a good night's rest on Sunday night because he's going to be at work. Why? He's providing for his family, but it's pressure. What about the wife if she works outside the home? Now, I didn't say you didn't work. If you work in the home, if you're a homemaker, you are still a worker. Come on. You're still a worker, but there's pressures having all the clothes washed and ironed and in the right place and, and having supper ready when everybody gathers and, and hopefully it's going to be what they like. And I'm going to tell you, my mama fixed supper and we ate what she put on the table. She didn't fix two or three things. She fixed one thing. Don't put pressure on your mama. My goodness. 
Pressures. Well, it's not pressures, not only pressures on the family there, but when we think of that daily grind, I think of pressures of friends that friends put on us. Oh, I need to talk to you. Oh, I need you over here. Oh, can you help me over here? I'm one person, but I'll spin my wheels as hard as I can to do all I can while I can for my friends. Pressures on the family, pressures on friends. And then there's the pressures of funds. Funds is money. I'm not talking about having fun. I'm talking about enough money to go around. And somebody said, do you have enough money? I say, what is enough? Whatever you got, it seems today, it is not enough. But I've learned, you can live on what you got, but you've got to put it in the right slots at the right time. And the first slot it needs to be put in is to God. Hello? Come on! If you, if you don't, you know what the Bible says? You are a thief. You are robbing God of funds that belongs to him. Were not for him, I would not be able to make a dollar, not one. I'd be hungry, I'd be homeless, and probably be helpless. Funds. Well, you know, you just have to set the law down. Well, so-and-so's got a car, and I want a car. Well, get a job. Now, I'm already under enough pressure. I'm, I'm trying to make a car payment and a house payment and utility bills. And this this week, Lynn sent off near $3,000. You know what for? Insurance. You know what's going to follow insurance? Taxes. Would I ever get ahead? No, you won't get ahead. But... <laughs> Hey, drop your tax notice and your insurance notices in my casket when I'm laying right there. Just drop them in there and say, I mailed them off. The eternity, they're gone. Pressure of the daily grind. Secondly, listen, there's pressures of responsibility for others. Again, I go to the family. I'm responsible for Lynn. I'm responsible to see to it she has all of her needs met as much as I can meet them. It's, it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to make sure she has everything she needs to get by or get along in this world. When we were building our house, you know, I drawed plans. There's no telling how many nights I just draw plans. Everybody done gone to bed. I'm drawing plans. I'm drawing plans according to the furniture we had because I didn't plan on buying more. Hello? That gets to be pressure. So I'd draw plans and I'd draw plans. And the next night I'd say, Lynn, look at this. See what you think. Well, she'd look and say, well, it looks okay. I, that's, I like that. Well, it didn't suit me all together, and I'd draw some more. Finally, long story short, finally got everything settled. We began to dig and lay block and brick and lumber and on and on. She hadn't said a word about, I like this, I don't like that, nine, 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 nine. So one day, I was over there working. She came over, walked around, looked. I said, what do you think? She said, can I have one thing? I said, you can have whatever you want. You just tell me what you want. She said, can I have two ovens? I said, you can have two ovens. She's got two ovens. You know why she's got two ovens? Because she asked for two ovens. 
You know why she's got two ovens? Because she cooks. She don't just make reservations, hello. She cooks. And both of them fired up and going. I'm talking both of them. I'm thankful that she relieved all that pressure, okay? And every once in a while, even now, we've been in the house close to 15 years, she'll say, I just love our house. My goodness. That relieves a lot of pressure. Instead of, I wish we would build again. Or can we add on a room? I wish we'd get some new furniture. Look at this old stuff. I can show you pictures of Africa where they slept on bamboo cane on the dirt. Pillow? What is a pillow? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. One of our trips to Africa, the nursery was right next door to where we stayed. Babies constantly crying. I went over there one day just to visit the nursery. And the lady was sitting in a straight chair like this and boom, 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 boom. She was rocking this baby and I thought, they need a rocker. I asked somebody, I said, y'all don't have no rockers? I said, a rocker? What's a rocker? I said, I'm going to build you a rocker. I built a straight chair. Now listen, y'all, all I had was a sawzall. I cut out two rockers and I mounted them on them things. And I wish you could have seen them. I went in, and Lynn went with me. Lynn said, let me see the baby. Give me one of them babies. She put it in her arms, sat down in that rocker, and here she went. And they were gathered around like, I want to do it. Let, let me do it. I want to try it. Hey, as far as I know, I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God. I made the first rocker that was ever made in Oringa, Tanzania, Africa. And they loved it. It let off some pressure. I mean, can't you imagine this baby, okay? Picture this baby. This baby's, uh, let's say, eight, nine months old, okay? Trying to get the baby to sleep in a straight chair. Boom, 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 boom. Here's the baby. It's a sloshing this way and a sloshing that way. And I mean, can you imagine the pressure that got off that baby when it was just smooth back and forth? I mean, pressures can kill you if you allow it to. The responsibility for our family. But it's also, I feel responsible for my friends. I have good friends that I, I, I want to help. I love help. It don't make no difference to me what you call me for. Many of you have my book. There's a story in that book. You probably would never believe it if you hadn't been there and seen it, okay? It's called, the name of that story is Steam, Steam in the Commode. I saw it with my own eyes. I'd have never believed it. The lady called me. She says, Kenny, you're not going to believe this, but I flushed my commode and steam is just boiling up out of it. She said, you, what do you think? I said, I don't know. I, I, let me just come. She's my friend. I went. I'm standing there. Water's cold. Yeah, I put my hands in the clear water. Hello. I pushed the lever. Here it comes filling back up. I mean, you couldn't put your steam just to boiling. I said, ma'am, I ain't believing this. Let me go under the house. Somebody had replumbed something and hooked hot water line up to the commode. I said, well, one thing about this, Johnny, you can get clean. You can get clean in it. You know? Pressure. She felt pressure. 
over a little simple steam in the commode. It was pressure for her. But I relieved that. I fixed it. You know, I, I love helping my friends. But when I think of that responsibility, not only to my family and my friends, but how about foreigners? How about foreigners? How about foreigners? Does it bother you? I don't have it up here. Yeah, I can probably do it somewhere here. Okay. What color would you say I am? Come on. White. Hello? What color is this paper? Do I look like that paper? I don't look like that paper, do I? <laughs> I want to help foreigners. Can you imagine being born outside of America and hearing and seeing all this luscious land? Abraham had his eyes on a city whose builder and maker was God, and he was leading him to Cana. Cana land, man, a land full with milk and honey. Well, it was foreign to him. He hadn't gotten there. It was foreign. So what do we do? We minister to the foreign. Again, what if you were born somewhere else and you're hearing all this luscious stuff about America? You want to get here too. Pressure. A third thing. There's pressures of the power of evil men. Now, I don't want anybody taking me the wrong way. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about friends. And we're going to talk about the foes, okay? We're talking about the pressure and the power of evil men. Evil women also. In your household right now, you, hopefully you've got a mama and a daddy and you've got children, maybe grandchildren, maybe great-grandchildren. Or some of your spouse is gone, you're, you live alone or you're all by yourself. And, uh, you know, you have probably less pressure than these families that have all this makeup of husband, wife, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And the saddest thing I think is going on in our world today is grandparents raising grandyoungins. That is not the way God intended it to be. And they ought to go after these parents that can't raise their own children and put them behind bars until they learn what to do and then come out of there and do your responsibility. Well, let's talk about uh, a pressure of an evil man in the house, okay? Listen, I've been at this since 1976. I have heard and I have seen Evil men who lived in the house who beat their wife for going to church. Who beat their wife for reading God's word and praying with their children before they go to bed. And there's been several instances where children, older teenage children, have in the night heard mama and daddy going at it and heard daddy kicking and slamming and beating mama and they went in with a gun and put him out of his misery. Pressure of evil men. There's also pressure of evil women. 
Not many, but a few men I've noticed have, uh, through my years of ministry, come to church without their wife. Why don't your wife come? I don't know. Hey, it's pressure. It's pressure. You say, well, my wife's not evil. Well, I didn't say she was evil. I said there is homes where evil women live. And they don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with the church. And they will hinder you from doing what God wants you to do. Not in all cases, but in some. But then there, there's also, uh, when we think about the, the pressures of, of others, uh, there's that the um, foes, our foes. Uh, I'm thinking of a situation where every Sunday this family gets ready to go to church. The neighbors across the street don't go. They could care less about it. They do not go. And they see this family getting ready to go to church. They come out. They put the kids in the car. And he puts his wife in. He gets in. And then the neighbor across the street creates something that hinders them from being at church on time. What do you do with that situation? You don't worry about church. You're concerned about them. Your foes. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Pray for them. All right, we got to get on. You're going to spend a day here um, if we aren't careful. But I, I think of Abraham and all that he did and had to do. But last of all, there's the pains and the pressure of everyday life. Again, I go back to family. Listen, uh, for husbands, wives, and children that are in uh, this congregation, in this church, uh, we need to pray for our families, that they'll be stronger, that they'll follow God. They may be the only one. Hey, the man may have pulled out and left the mother with children. The wife may have pulled out and left the daddy with children. They need our prayers because they're under pressure. It's hard to be a mama and a daddy at the same time. It's hard. It's tough. I have seen it. I haven't experienced it. Thank God I haven't experienced it. But I have seen it happen. You can't quit. You've got to keep on just like Abraham in the dust and the drought and the disappointment. He knew where he was going. He was going to a city whose builder and maker was God, and that's heaven. But on that earth as he went about, he was headed toward Cana, a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, just because we pray for it, it don't mean it's going to happen when we expect it to happen. There's delayed issues that come, but nevertheless, God has said, I want you to be faithful. Some of us this morning, we're having difficulty. Some of you are facing some difficulty. Some of you are going to have to make some difficult decisions. Some of you are, the way I feel sometimes, riding high, everything's fine. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. Because the devil knows it, and he'll do anything he can to trip us up. We sing a song. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. You know, many of us are concerned about our kids, that they make good grades, that they hang out with good friends. But what about, are you concerned about your child's salvation? 
They can have the best friends in school. They can be the top of the class. They can be making all A's, be involved in everything and be lost and die and go to hell and we're not concerned about it. Oh, I want my younger to be the top. I want my younger to be this and be that. But don't mention Jesus to them now. Everything's going well. I don't want him disrupting their life. He may call them to be a missionary overseas and I can't stand it and I will block it. Pressure. It's useless, guys. We don't need to put our families under pressure. Our friends. But our families are under pressure. Our friends are under pressure. Our foes are under pressure. And what do we need to do? Pray for them. Be there for them. Do all we can for everybody we can while we can. That's where I am as a pastor. I want to do all I can for First Baptist Church as long as I can, as long as I feel like that God is using me and I'm a being effective. I'm going to be here to do whatever. And when I feel like it's not and I know it's a word from God, I promise to move out of the way. I don't want this church going down because of the pastor. You got it? Even though we, I, I, uh, I feel a lot of pressure, okay? But I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I don't want any sympathy out of you. I want you to keep calling on me just like you're doing. And don't say I don't want to bother you because you bothered me all eight years ago when you voted me in. You bothered me. And I graciously accepted it, and I love you with all my heart. Now listen carefully. Listen. You can put everything else out of your mind. It'll be fried chicken when you get there. If you're lost, you have never, ever, ever asked Jesus to come into your heart. I'm begging you to do it today. Take the pressure off. Do you realize right now that there are family members praying for you? Your pastor is praying for you? To be saved. Don't give the devil a victory. Oh, I'll do that later. Oh, I don't know that I can live it. You cannot live it. I'll tell you that before you do it. But you can make it because Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I beg you, if you're lost, be at this altar. I promise you not to embarrass you. I promise to be there for you and to share Jesus with you. You're backslid on God. You're not where you're supposed to be. You know it. Be at the altar praying. Somebody, listen, we're getting a little slack, ladies and men. When a lady's here, a lady needs to be here. When a man's here, a man needs to be here. And don't be slack looking at somebody else. I don't care if there's a dozen people comes to pray with me. Praise God. He will hear it. I'm not going to apologize for the word of God, but I will apologize about going so long today. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for Abraham who was faithful to you. Lord, I, I'll never be an Abraham. But Lord, I just I want to be faithful to you. I know without you, Lord, I know without you I'm nothing but filthy rags. But I know with you, Lord, I can do and accomplish all things. So I ask for strength. I ask for wisdom. I ask for knowledge to be the kind of pastor that this church family needs, Lord. And God, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Mark.